So today, like I mentioned earlier, is going to be our third week looking into the theme or looking into the topic of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What's our role in it? How do we live out this call as residents of God's kingdom above everything else in our lives during our short allotted time as on earth? <clears throat> We've taken a look at several different passages throughout the Gospels over the last couple of weeks where Jesus offers us some spiritual truths. He offers us some spiritual insights so that we can better understand what the kingdom of God is and what the kingdom of God is like. The first week we looked at some passages that talked about the kingdom of God being like a treasure that was planted into a field. And a guy came by and he, he, he buried the treasure back and he went and got money and he sold his land. He made that sacrifice because it was full of incredible value. It was full of incredible value. The kingdom of God is a valuable thing. And just like the man in the parable of Jesus, it is worth sacrifice. It is worth whatever sacrifice God calls us to be, God calls us to make. Second week, or last week, we talked about how the kingdom of God may start small and insignificant, but when it's placed into our hearts, it can make a big and magnificent difference. I told you guys when I first started ministry, you know, I didn't, I've never, I've never cared, never, never really thought about being the pastor of a large church by any means. But I always had high ambitions. I always thought that my church or that we were going to do the next great thing. We were going to have the next great movement. We were going to feed everybody in the community. We were going to, we were going to you know, pursue justice for, for oppressed people out there. And we were just going to do great things. Those things didn't happen. And I don't look for those things anymore. The treasure that I have found are the small parts of ministry. The small parts of ministry. It's in going to see somebody at the hospital. It's in going to just having one-on-one conversations with people. It's meeting in small groups. It's meeting in Bible studies. It's uh, being, being, being interrupted. We talked about being interrupted this morning in Sunday school, being interrupted in my office by somebody who just needs to talk, somebody who's got an issue in their life. And those things, those small things, those small things that seem so insignificant at the time build the kingdom of God. It's like a snowball effect almost. I encourage you guys not to sell yourself short in your ability to be a major part of the kingdom of God. Don't ever sell yourself short. Nobody, nobody is too small. Nobody is too uneducated or too educated. Not enough something, too much something. Not to be a significant part of the kingdom of God. Every little thing that we do matters. Every little thing that we do for Jesus, every little thing that we do for other people matters. We may never see the huge changes, and that's the thing, that's the point that I've come to personally. I may never see these changes. I may never see these huge revivals break out uh, that I would love to see break out. But something that we're doing now can have that ripple effect on down the road. So don't get discouraged in your walk with God. Don't get discouraged in your walk with God. Everything that we do for Christ matters. So this is the kind of idea that leads us into some truths about God's kingdom that we're going to discover from some passages in the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Before we do that, I want to give you a little bit of an illustration. Got to look back there on the back row. That is my brother Arthur sitting there in his yellow shirt. My brother Arthur is a wonderful gardener. He's an absolutely wonderful gardener. As far as I can tell, he's pretty good at it anyway. If you've never seen his setup out at his house, I encourage you at some point to get with Arthur. And, and go out and check out his backyard because it's pretty, it's pretty doggone impressive. When I first went out to Arthur's house several months ago, it was still summertime. 
And uh, this was the first time, obviously, that, that, I'd get this, that I had gotten the opportunity to go back there and see, you know, how much he was in the garden and everything. And it was just absolutely gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. He's got all kind of plants, all kind of vegetables growing in his backyard. <clears throat> but here's the thing. As we all know, before, those, before Arthur was able to nurture those plants, before Arthur was able to nurture those vegetables into the beautiful specimens that they were, at one point or another, they were what? They were a seed, right, right. You know, they were a seed. They were a little bitty tiny seed and placed in some dirt somewhere, placed in some ground somewhere. Before they had stems, before they had roots and leaves and fruits, they were just, you know, tiny little seeds. During my lifetime, I have made a couple very pathetic attempts at gardening. <laughs> so I can't tell you a whole lot about it. But Arthur, I'm sure, will tell you that it takes a lot of time to get to the point where he is. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of patience to see the kind of growth that Arthur sees in, in the things that he plants and the things that he nurtures out there at his house. Here's what I want you to hear and here's what Arthur would tell you in regards to growing these things and what it takes, something it takes to make a gardener, first of all, but I also want you to see this as metaphorical as we'll check it out in just a second. It takes the right kind of soil and it takes the right kind of environment to successfully grow healthy plants and vegetables. It takes, this is particularly what I want you to hear, it takes the right kind, the right kind of environmental conditions to successfully grow these things. The first scripture we're going to look at, again, is everything, everything we're going to look at today is going to come out of the Gospel of Matthew. But it has a lot to do, this first one, with, the, with uh, the idea of gardening, the idea of successful gardening. Matthew chapter 13, verses 30 and 31 and 32. I'm just going to read that to you real quick. And most of you have probably heard this, this, this story dozens of times. Starting at 31, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree, so that the birds come and they perch on its branches. Even if you don't know anything about gardening, so kind of like myself, you can certainly see the theme in here of what we talked about last week, how the kingdom of God starts off small and it gets big and it gets expansive. It grows with the great power of God, the great power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to find that Jesus uses these agricultural references very, very often in the gospel, especially when he's telling these parables. primary reason for that is that a lot of the people that he would have been talking to at the time would have been farmers. And he utilizes this agricultural illustration this morning to give us another spiritual truth about the kingdom of heaven, another spiritual truth about the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed planted in the field. The first thing that we need to know about this illustration, again, and I'm sure if you've sat in church, you've heard this a million times, but I'm going to remind you, mustard seeds are tiny, 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 tiny. They're about one to two milliliters. So he starts off using this illustration of the mustard seed that's planted in the field. A short time later, it sprouts. It bursts through the dirt. It grows into a very large plant. Some mustard plants can get up to about six feet tall. And in that last verse, you see Jesus says that it got so tall, so big, that the birds come and perch on its branches. Now, that's a, large, that's a large mustard plant. 
Here's what I'm getting at, and here's what Christ is getting at. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It is something that grows over time when it is planted in the right environment. You follow me there, Arthur? Yes, sir. <laughs> you see the comparison there, brother? The kingdom of God grows over time when it is planted, when it is nurtured in the right environment. Last week, I gave you the illustration of how Christianity began. It began with one person. One person, Jesus Christ. It expanded. It started, it started small, one person. It expanded to the disciples, 12 disciples. got a little bit bigger. 2,000 years later, we are the largest religion globally. Something that started very, very tiny in the Middle East has expanded and is global has been global for a very, very long time. That's what this illustration is getting at. Expansive. Grows over time when it's planted in the right environment. Understand another part of Jesus' short message here. The smallest action can grow into having a major kingdom impact. And this is what I was talking about. These small little things that we do throughout our days. These small little opportunities that are insignificant to us at the time but wind up meaning so much the tiniest gift or the tiniest act of compassion that we commit the tiniest act of kindness that we commit a little bit of faith folks a little bit of faith can grow into a lifetime of obedience to God and the love for God and love for others the kingdom of God is like that it's like that seed and it grows when it's planted Again, in the right environment. Second scripture we're going to look at is uh, Matthew 13, 3 through 9. Matthew 13, <clears throat> 3 through 9. So starting in verse 3. Again, this is Christ speaking. He told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and they ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times of that which was sown. Whoever hears, whoever has ears, let him hear. So here we find Christ telling us yet another parable about the kingdom of God. This one's starting off with a farmer who goes out and spreads some seed in the field. Every little seed that he has has the potential to sprout life. He'd go out in the field, he'd have a satchel, and he would broadcast it across the field, across the ground. Here's something we might miss, though, if we don't pay close attention to this story. This farmer doesn't seem very concerned about where this seed is going. Pick up on that. The farmer doesn't seem very concerned about where he's throwing that seed or where it's falling at the time. As Christ begins the story, remember, he's telling this story primarily to farmers. Okay? So as he's telling this story, and I'm just speculating here, I would suspect that the, the audience or the listeners probably would have been pretty shocked if they were all farmers. Because this guy is just randomly spreading seed one place to another. Doesn't really care what's going. Number one, seed, seed costs money. Number two, if he didn't produce a crop, he wouldn't have any money. If he didn't have any money, his, his, uh, his family wouldn't eat. So I'm sure there was some bit of shock in the audience as Christ was again telling this story, this seed. 
Some of it fell on a warm-out path. Some of it got eaten by birds. Some fell on rocky soil. It started to grow, but was ultimately scorched by the sun. Some of the weeds fell among thorns, and they started to take root, only to be choked out by the weeds. Things are certainly not looking good for the farmer until the seed finally falls on the right spot. So some of it that falls on 30 soil, fertile soil that was ready to receive the seeds, take root, and they grow strong. Christ says that they grow so much that they, they, it produced 30 to 60 to 100% times what was actually broadcast. Jesus ends it by saying this, whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. In other words, don't miss the depth of the meaning of what I'm telling you. The kingdom is like a seed sown generously to take root and grow. The kingdom is like seed that has been sown generously to take root and to grow. Some of y'all probably ask yourselves this question pretty often when you hear these stories. Some of y'all are probably scratching your heads at this point. Don't worry, the disciples did the exact same thing. If you were to look a few scriptures down, one of the disciples, I can't remember without looking, looks at Jesus and they're like, why do you why do you talk like this? Why do you tell us? Why do you tell? Why do you teach us in parables? So if you're if you're confused or if you get frustrated with Jesus' story, don't worry, don't don't beat yourself up too bad. They actually ask this question themselves. So Christ actually goes on to explain the meaning of this story. He goes on to explain the meaning of this parable a little farther down. God is always looking to grow His kingdom starting in the hearts of people. And that's what matters the most. God is always looking to grow his kingdom right now, beginning in the hearts of people. Check out what I'm about to say now. Every person that has a heart, every person has a heart. Every person in this sanctuary, including myself, every single person in here, every single person walking on earth today, has a heart that consists of various types of soil. Every single one of us has that. It consists of various types of soil. Some places the kingdom seed can grow, and other places it absolutely cannot grow. That is the meat of the message today. What is the condition of your heart? Because Christ tells us that's what matters, and that's what this parable is all about. Matthew, again, Matthew 13. Start in verse 18. Listen then. To what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, it's because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or even thirty times what was sown. Christ is getting at here, what he's ultimately saying is that the kind of impact 
that the truth has, the truth of the gospel has in our lives, has absolutely everything to do with the condition of our heart. Absolutely everything to do with the condition of our hearts. The fact of the matter is some of our hearts are not open to that tiny seed of God's kingdom. We're not open to the idea of that tiny seed taking root in our lives. On the other hand, some of our souls are. Some of our souls are very rich. We have that rich soul. We're ready to see, receive the truth of God's love. Let's talk about these few examples that Jesus gives real quick. <clears throat> As the farmer in Jesus' story here is telling us, some of the seed fall on a beaten path. Christ describes its heart condition simply as one that doesn't understand the good news that has been given to him. The basic idea is here is that people who are given the good news of the kingdom have no idea what to do with it, but it's a little bit deeper than that. This person is basically unconcerned with the things of God. Basically unconcerned with the things of God. This person ignores God's guidance in their life. They don't understand God's work in their life. Not really out of ignorance, but basically just because they don't care to. They just disregard the things of God. They have become hard, and they have become calloused. This is a dangerous condition to be in. Most of the time, this person has heard all the right things. Maybe this person has even sat in church for a long time, but they've pushed them away. They've pushed these things away enough times that they're no longer familiar with the idea of conviction. I think that happens to us a lot of times. We're numb. The outcome is here, here is that when the seed falls on those hearts, it's stolen away from us. It's stolen away because it is unable to take root at all. The other seed that Christ talks about falls on rocky soil. He says this is a heart that has heard the good news of the gospel. They've even responded to God's kingdom. But in the face of trouble and adversity, the shallow roots are scorched by the sun. I want you to listen real close to this one and the one that I'm going to tell you about, the one I'm, that Christ describes next as well. <clears throat> this heart is one that has seen the gospel as being attractive, mostly when things are going good for them. <clears throat> they believe that responding to the seed of the gospel should result in good things for them. They believe that responding to the gospel should result in life basically being good and them being blessed at all times. They never allow their roots to grow deep. They never allow their roots to grow deep. Their spiritual conversations are shallow. Their works are shallow. Their commitment to Christ is shallow. This idea of living sacrificially is shallow. Anytime something interrupts their lives, their faith withers. The next one Christ talks about are the seeds that fall on soil that is full of weeds and thorns. He talks about this heart as one that allows the seed of the gospel to grow in their lives, but unfortunately also allows other things to grow in their lives as well. Jesus actually gave a name to these in the scriptures. He said these thorns were the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of money. These are distracted hearts. This is the idea of being double-minded. And I've talked to you guys about this so, so, so very much. If there's one thing that I want to instill in any church that I ever pastor, 
is that the Christian life, oh, I just, I know I sound like a broken record, guys. Christian life does not end with justification. It's Christian life does not end at our initial moment of being saved, so to speak, as we like to put it. Our Christian life does not end with the knowledge of we get to go be with God in the afterlife, which is certainly true, and I certainly look forward to it. But that's not our call. You know, I put something on Facebook this morning in regards to us going over the kingdom of God, and it was a quote from uh, Dallas Willard, who y'all heard me talk about before. And uh, if I don't mess it up too bad, I think, I think what the quote says was, the gospel has far more to say about how we live in the, in the kingdom of God during our time on earth than it does how to live after we die. And that is absolutely true. So this goes back to the double-mindedness that I'm talking about. We can either have the world as first, or we can have Jesus as first, but we can't have both. We can either have Jesus as first or the world, but we can't have both. We don't get to pick and choose when we're Christ followers, folks. I'm not telling you you're not going to heaven. You are. Absolutely. If you're justified there, congratulations. You got your, you got your ticket. But every single New Testament writer that I'm aware of, whether it's, whether it's from the Gospels, whether it's from the Epistles of Paul, whether it's from the letter of James, talks about the Christian call to live as Christ, to live as followers, to live as disciples of Christ while we're here on earth. That is our primary purpose, our primary calling, but that is who we are. We don't get to be one way or the other. We don't get to be a combination of both. Or we're not going to produce the fruit of the kingdom of God that we're talking about. Folks, I'm going to tell you. Number two, let me repeat these to you. The primary description of what I see here. In regards to the seed that falls on rocky soil, Christ again describes that as the good news of the gospel. He responded to God's kingdom, but in the face of trouble and adversity, shallow roots are scorched by the sun. Again, this is the heart that sees the gospel as being attractive mostly when things are going good for them. Their religion is basically shallow. Again, their conversations are shallow. Their spiritual lives in general are shallow, and as soon as they have a little disruption, their faith withers third one again that I just talked about was the double-mindedness. We allow the gospel to grow in our hearts, but we also allow other things, particularly the world, and particularly the draw towards whatever you want to call it, money or materialism, mammon, <coughs> whatever. It's the double-mindedness. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and I don't say this to make anybody mad. I don't say this to, to judge anybody. I just say this as a statement of fact. Having been a Christian for a number of years and a pastor now for three years, the majority of people that you find in congregations today fit into the categories of two and three. I'm sorry to break that news to you, but it's just a fact. The majority of people sitting there in our sanctuaries this morning fall into categories two and three. Their faith is either shallow or they are torn between two worlds, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. This last one that Christ talks about is the seed that falls on what our scriptures say is good soil. Though the seed that falls on that location, the result is nothing short of absolutely supernatural. He says the harvest reaches 30, 60, 100 times of what was sown. I don't know about y'all, but that's where, kind of where I want to be. <laughs> so that's the message of Christ's parable today. That's, that's the message of Jesus' parable. That's, that, that's the message of what he has to tell us about the kingdom of God. What kind of soil is your heart? Is it ready? Is it, is it, is it fertile soil 
for the kingdom of God to be able to take root? Or is it shallow soil? Is it rocky soil? Is it soil that's covered by weeds and soil that's covered by thorns? I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. And I also, at the same time, want to tell you the good news that none of us are stuck with that kind of heart. None of us are stuck with that kind of soil. If we are reflecting the first three that Christ talks about, we're not stuck there. We don't have to be stuck there. Some of us know for a fact that our soul is not the condition that, that, that God needs it to be in order to grow his kingdom on earth. We need to break that soil in our hearts. We need to remove some rocks. Arthur, we need to pull out some weeds, brother. Here's some suggestions. If you fall, if you fall into one of those categories, one, two, or three, maybe you need to get involved in Christian. I'm not saying this to beat anybody up. I swear to God, I love every person in this room. I'm not saying this. I say this because I love you and I want your life to flourish in Christ. But if you fit into one of these three categories, maybe you need some more Christian fellowship in your life. Maybe you need to be a part of the, of the bigger Christian community. Attending church for one hour on a Sunday morning is not going to be enough sufficient soil to plant and grow the kingdom of God in your life. We don't grow, as I said in the beginning, solo, flying solo. As much as I believe in telling you guys to read your Bibles on your own, study Scripture, pray, we are not going to grow as disciples by ourselves. It was never meant to be that way. The church was never meant to be that way. And if you're being influenced six days and 23 hours of the week and come into church one hour of the week, what do you think is going to have more influence in your life? That seems pretty easy to answer to me. We grow in community, folks, and that's why we do some of the things that we do here. It ain't about forcing people to come to church. It ain't about forcing people to, to come to small groups. It's about growing together in Christ-likeness. That's why we have Sunday school classes. That's why we have midweek studies. That's why we have our life groups, so that we can grow in community. I'm going to tell you this as well. The people that attend, and, 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 and again, I'm not trying to beat nobody up. Please understand that. But the people that are attending these groups right now are the people at Bemis that I personally am closest to. And it was the same way in my previous church. It's not because I like them better than anybody else or that I don't like them better than anybody else. It's because we are forming those intimate relationships. We are going beyond the superficial and we're getting underneath. We are discipling each other. We're talking about our lives with God. We are studying scripture. Not just studying scripture, not just reading scripture, but we are trying to embrace and live out that scripture together. We have these intimate relationships, and those are the ones in this church that I personally am closer to at this point. That's the way it works, folks. Maybe you need to join a little more community, be a little part of something bigger, and see what happens. What can it hurt, <laughs> for goodness sakes? If you fall into one of those categories, maybe it's time to spend more time in Scripture. Maybe it's time to dedicate ourselves a little bit more to prayer. We've talked about prayer before. Maybe it's time to get involved with serving here at the church a little more. 
you know, one of the things, I know, I know I'm going pretty long, sorry. <clears throat> you know, one of the, one of the, I, had to, I had to write a paper for one of my classes this past week. And uh, I've, t- I've talked to you guys a little bit about the idea of the means of grace in our Methodist tradition and that basically <clears throat> the, the, the idea of this thing called the means of grace is that they are practices, disciplines like Bible study, prayer, fasting, all of these things that we have at our disposal uh, that whereby God can work through us to change us from the inside out. Okay, um, Wesley, John Wesley also believed in the idea of um, works of mercy. Works of mercy. He also believed that those were means of grace. What do you mean by that, Jerry? Basically, what he was getting at is that God works through us when we are out there serving. When we are out there helping people, when we're out there doing something for somebody or for somebody else, God uses those opportunities as well to work his great grace through us and to change us, to transform us from the inside out. Ask anybody sitting here today, ask anybody sitting in this congregation this morning, when you have gone, when you have sacrificed a little bit of your time, maybe a little bit of your money or what, whatever, to help somebody else out, to participate in some kind of service project, How'd you feel afterwards? I can assure you nobody's going to say I felt worse than I did when I started. Okay? Maybe it's time to get involved in some more service. If you fit into those categories. Just reflect on those questions as we close. Kevin, you can come on up, brother. What is the condition of the soil in your life? What is the condition? Where do you fall in to those descriptions that Christ gives us, one through four. Secondly, do you want to change? Do you want your soil to be a little bit more rich, nutrient-dense? Are you ready to turn to Jesus, and are you ready to let him do the necessary work in your life to help you position yourself in a place where the gospel can grow in your heart? Where are you? If you're not where you want to be or where you should be, are you prepared to allow Christ to just do his work in your life? I'm going to open up the altar for anybody who would like to come to pray. Anybody who has any kind of need whatsoever, if you'd like for me to pray for you, absolutely, I would love to. Altar is open.